Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-Centered Encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Context of White Supremacy Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Sunday, November 8th, 2015. So I have been told, uh, this is broadcast number two. Uh, we had uh, Miss Grace Franklin on the program earlier this morning. Uh, great information about the first week of the trial uh, for former officer and suspected rapist, uh, sexual terrorist, Daniel Holtzclaw and everything that's transpired down in Oklahoma City this past week. Definitely encourage folks to uh, check that out. Great information and hopefully uh, we can have her back on the program. Uh, thought it would be grand to follow that up uh, and get some of Dr. Welsing's thoughts uh, on that case and some of the many events that have been taking place uh, since we last spoke with her. I know our global audience always are super excited and appreciative uh, for the opportunity to hear from Dr. Welsing, I know so many folks have read uh, her book, The ISIS Papers, The Keys to the Colors, and uh, more recently I've seen her in some of the uh, great documentaries, the Hidden Colors series, uh, and always just really appreciate uh, hearing her insight on current events and things black people can be doing uh, to solve the problem of white supremacy, racism, third generation physician, general and child psychiatrist, Always a pleasure to have her on the program, making her 31st visit to the context of white supremacy, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Uh, Dr. Welsing, you're with us? Uh, yes, I am. Glad to be with you. Mm-hmm. We are glad to have you back with us again. And uh, again, just thank you so much for being so generous with your time. You know, you could be doing a lot of other things with your uh, Sunday evening. Um, I guess anything you would like to uh, to start off with, anything you want to share before we kind of dig into things? Well, uh, I mean, what has sparked my interest every week, it's something else, or every other day, it's something else. But the situation, I guess, in Missouri, where the football team has gone on strike because of racism on the part of uh, some of the students campus as well as how the president responded to the complaints made by black students. 
And again, it's over and over and over and over again, all of these events that are indicating racism, like I believe a swastika was put on a building and feces on a, you know, this kind of demeanment directed at black people. And all I can say is that, uh, or the most important thing I can say is that it, the situation is waiting for us as black people to be able to state without fear of contradiction that we are dealing, all of these events indicate that we are dealing with a total system structure of racism, white supremacy. And as long as we merely mouth around and talk about just the symptoms of the problem, I believe we're doing ourselves great harm that we all need to be able to say that the events impacting the lives of black people for the past 500 years are all related to the system of racism, white supremacy. And as Mr. Neely Fuller has said, if you do not understand white supremacy, racism, what it is and exactly how it works, everything else that you think you understand will only confuse you, which is uh, the same as saying if you're on a football field where the game of football is going on, but you don't understand the game of football, all the different moves that are being made on the field will confuse you. That you have to understand the total game that you are dealing with or the total system dynamic that you are dealing with. Absolutely. Uh, to that point, I think this is just recently uh, breaking over the weekend, what happened in Missouri. Uh, I'm just reading from the St. Louis Dispatch. Uh, it says racial tension on the University of Missouri's campus could soon impact Missouri's athletics. Uh, MU football players apparently stop will apparently stop participating in team activities until university system president Tim Wolf resigns a message circulated on Twitter on Saturday night featuring a photo of 32 African American Missouri football players some locked arm in arm along with the following message the athletes of color on the University of Missouri football team truly believe Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We will no longer participate in any football-related activities until President Tim Wolf resigns or is removed due to his negligence towards marginalized students' experiences. We are united. And I will stop that has a photo of all of these black males together. Would this qualify as an outstanding illustration of black self-respect? Well, I would say yes, and I am uh, supportive and very proud of the young people that took that stand. Uh, it's like the young people who took the stand and began talking about Black Lives Matter. All of these things are occurring because we're not just dealing with one person's attitude or three people's attitude towards black people. We are dealing with a total system structure, and we will not understand it. I maintain until 
we understand that the system structure and its dynamic is for white genetic survival. See, this is the reason that it hasn't stopped. The system has to do consciously and or subconsciously with the perception on the part of people who classify themselves as white that they have to engage in this behavior for their genetic survival on the planet. Let me just read my definition. The only one paragraph definition of this monstrous terrorism that is a system, racism, white supremacy, is the local and global power system and dynamic structured and maintained by persons who classify themselves as white, whether consciously or subconsciously determined, which consists of patterns of perception, logic, symbol formation, thought, speech, action, and emotional response as conducted simultaneously in all areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war for the ultimate purpose of white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth a planet upon which the vast and overwhelming majority of people are classified as non-white, meaning black, brown, red, and yellow, by white-skinned people, and all of the non-white people are genetically dominant in terms of skin coloration compared to the genetic recessive white-skinned people. And I maintain, until we understand why? Until you understand why, what's the purpose of a given behavior? See, it's not sufficient to complain about the different events that happen. To be scientific, we have to examine the behavior, the whole spectrum of behavior, or as it presents itself, and then seek for an understanding as to why is this occurring, and then that informs you what needs to be done about it. Outstanding. Outstanding. We definitely will be uh, spending more time over the next few days covering that event as well. And as you said, it seems like every day uh, it's something else all related to the same problem, the global system of white supremacy. Uh, the case that we have been talking about this morning and really that we've been talking about for over a year now uh, in Oklahoma City with Daniel Holtzclaw, where he has been accused, charged, he's facing 36 counts of sexually terrorizing exclusively black females in Oklahoma City. Uh, his trial started this week. He has an all-white jury, uh, eight white men and four White women will be deciding his fate. Uh, as I said, we spoke with Miss Franklin this morning, and she said the first week of the trial after they picked the jury members has pretty much been uh, the defense for Mr. Holtzclaw has pretty much been, uh, I didn't do anything. I'm a great guy, great officer, didn't do anything, and we just got these wild 
loose, criminal, drug-addicted black females who are just making up all kinds of stuff and trying to get us to pay some money. This is a travesty, and you need to set him free. Um, have you paid attention to any of the updates that have happened with this trial? Do you have any thoughts on what's happened so far? No, I haven't been following that specifically. But, uh, again, it's the same old, same old from the days when black people were, African people were on the plantation. And there was daily horrific abuse of black people. And until we understand and are focusing on the mindset of people who classify themselves as white, so we understand individual behavior and understand collective behavior, then we will again be complaining about one thing at a time, one thing at a time, and that is, that's not sufficient for the 21st century. As a matter of fact, we don't really have much time to fiddle around with this problem because racism, white supremacy, I maintain, has reached a state where it's in a genocide slide, genocide towards black people. And if a group of people are fearful of the genetics of another group of people, the logical extension of that fear is to cause genocide. Wow. I know we spent, when you were on the program last year, we spent a good bit of time talking about uh, Elliot Roger. This is the non-white male. He had one white parent, one non-white parent, and he did the shooting uh, in Southern California last year. I think he ended up killing about six people. And we were talking about that case uh, because he had expressed all these nasty views about black people and either other Asian people, even though his parent, his mom is, quote unquote, Asian. He was non-white male. And Daniel Holtzclaw, he has a non-white mom. His mom is Asian, but his dad is black, former. I mean, excuse me, his dad is white. Dad is white, former uh, enforcement officer. His dad is. And uh, one of our listeners, she was saying, do you think there could be any similarities in terms of him being angry? Daniel Holtzclaw perhaps being angry that he's not accepted as a white person and him maybe taking out some of those same frustrations on, on black people, his angst about not being accepted as white. Do you think that could be at work here as well? I would definitely start uh, from that point. I would start from that perspective. Because we are in, do you see, if you just take the case as an abstraction, then you would say, well, why would he do it? But in the context of the system of racism, white supremacy, so the mixed race person, in other words, consciously or subconsciously, I would say that he could be thinking if it had not been for the non-white parent, meaning, and that's the non-white female who is his mother, right? I could have been all white. And so consciously, subconsciously, having hostile and angry feelings towards non-white females. See, I would dare say if you're able to if you were able to uh, do a study 
on persons who are first-degree mixed race because 99% of black people in this area of the world because of the hundreds of years of slavery and the amount of rape that slave masters engaged in in relationship to African women, that the vast majority of black people in this area of the world have some level of racial mixture. <laughs> but I would say that people who are first-degree mixture, that's pre people like President Obama, whose mother is white and the father is black, not a grandfather or a grandfather or a great-grandmother, but immediate parent has an immediate parent has to, in the context of what their total experience is, living amongst white people and experiencing non-acceptance because the, mixed, the mixture of black and white, you never end up with a white person because white is a genetic recessive trait and black is a genetically dominant trait. So white supremacy makes itself felt even for little children in preschool. If little children in preschool, if they're in a mixed-race situation, the non-white child is made to feel that something is wrong with them. They might even be called nigger or called names or mistreated, not only by the little students, fellow students, but also by the teacher. Because we are in a system of racism, white supremacy. So the mixed-race child, you know, when they start experiencing from white people that they are rejected. See, I don't care how many so-called movie stars adopt black children. That doesn't change the experience that that black child will have in the system of racism, white supremacy. And so the children will end up consciously, subconsciously thinking, I could have been all white had it not been for the black parent. And so all of the feelings of rejection that they experience uh, perhaps manifested itself in this particular case. Wow. Wow. I know when I was talking to you about some of the details that had come out just within the first week of the trial, uh, you made a connection, particularly between the way that they have talked about these black female victims, uh, really for the past year and a half, and just saying, oh my gosh, these are, you know, crackheads, and you can't believe them, and, and they're just trying to extort us. This is a shakedown tactic, trying to get money from the OKC police department. Uh, you said, you should listen, we should listen to the way that they're talking about them, and then on Thursday night, when scandal and how to get away with murder come on, uh, look at the projection of black females. And I went to, I played actually the sound clip from Ms. Franklin this morning, uh, Viola Davis, who is a heavily melanated, uh, phenomenal actress. Uh, she just won an Emmy for her role on how to get away with murder. And I said, man, if you look at, at the role that she's in, she's married to a white man. And at one of the critical moments in the episode, her white husband, he tells her, and I wrote it down, I wrote a piece about this. He said, all in quotes, he says, 
you're nothing but a piece of ass. That's what I saw when I first talked to you in the office that day because I knew you would put out. That's all you're really good for. Dirty, rough sex, I'm too ashamed to tell anyone about. That's how foul you are, you disgusting slut. End quote. This is the role that she won an Emmy for. Just can you talk about that, the relationship between these shows and how these black females in Oklahoma City are being depicted? Well, uh, do, do you see, in other words, any, in my view, any black female who would play that kind of role, something is wrong with their mental health. Something is wrong. Do you see, somebody might say, oh, that's just entertainment. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do you see, that is playing to the system of racism, white supremacy, that black people have been victimized for about 500 years. Uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when the teenage student was beaten up by the white police officer, what were we told? Oh, he couldn't be racist. His girlfriend is black. So all of this mistreatment, this is a mistreatment that goes back to slavery. And this is why the system of racism and white supremacy had black so-called entertainers, so-called rap artists, calling black women bitches and hoes. Because if we call ourselves and we present that about ourselves, can we complain about how anybody treats us? And so racism and white supremacy is just saying, have a field day. In the same way if black males call themselves dogs and gangsters and thugs, and then we want to entertain ourselves with that kind of language and then get upset when the police end up, you know, having a field day shooting any black male person that they want and then end up saying, well, I did it because I thought he, I thought he had a weapon. I thought he was going to harm me. So this is why we can't, we can't think I can play a particular role like in Scandal or I can play a particular role and it doesn't have any significance. Everything in the system of racism, white supremacy, is tied together and has significance in terms of people being programmed as to how to relate to, how to think about black people in the system of racism, white supremacy. It's like after the Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the white male who went into the church and killed the black people, six black females and three black males, I believe, and he said, I have to kill you because you're black and also because black men want to rape white females and you want to take over the country. 
And following that, what did CNN do and other stations day after day after day portraying Bill Cosby as a black male who raped 40 white women, gave them drugs and raped them. So this is why, you know, we just must begin to lift our dynamic, lift our response to another level by putting in perspective and understanding the total system structure and why all of these events are taking place and then be able to step forward as a collectivity of black people. Not talking about police brutality or failed schools, no, talking about the entire system structure of racism, white supremacy. The system tells white police officers what they're supposed to do in relationship to black people and black men in particular. The system structures how black people are supposed to be educated or not educated or miseducated. The system dictates how black people are supposed to have disparate sentencing in relationship to drug use. All of it is system-related. So we can't have Hillary Clinton just talking about have to do something about the justice system or disparate sentencing. No. Hillary Clinton, you've got to talk about the entire system of racism, white supremacy that have, black people have been suffering from for the last 500 years. I just saw an article in my collection of articles in my house. Uh, here's an article from the New York Times in 2001. And this is by William Jefferson Clinton. And then President Clinton was talking about the, un the unfinished business of becoming one nation and erasing America's color line. Now, this is 14 years ago. Hillary Clinton was married to Bill Clinton at that point. You see, so for her to, at this point in time, just be talking about uh, disparate sentencing, she's going to do something about that without talking about, well, my husband in 2001 was talking about erasing America's color line, and we still have America's color line. Something must be going on that people are not talking about. And I say what's going on that people are not talking about, Mrs. Clinton, is that we have an entire system. It's not just one thing. It's everything that is happening to black people, where white people, people who classify themselves as white, are being treated differently than black people. And I have a test that... Uh, I think that black people can find out who's racist and who, who's a white supremacist and who's not, because most white people say they're not racist. 
And the test goes something like this. To ask a person who classifies him or herself as white, would you change places with a black person? If you're a white female, would you change places with a black female? If you're a white male, would you change places with a black male? And so then if the person says, no, I don't think so, say, well, how much money would you require to change places with a black person? Now, they might say several million dollars or multiple million dollars, or they might say no amount of money. Now, that means that that person who says that they're not racist knows that black people are being mistreated, and they are allowing the mistreatment to take place. You see, if the person who is white says that they're not a racist, then they are out busy stopping the white people who are. So I think that it's important for black people to have a three-question instrument that if a person says, well, I'm not racist, well, what are you doing about the racism? context of white supremacy again dr francis cress welsing uh and to your your test question about whether or not a white person if they would switch places uh and be switch places with a black person uh there's a white man uh andrew hacker he's a professor and he wrote the book uh people reading is more important than watching scandal <laughs> reading is more important than watching television he wrote the book two nations separate hostile and unequal all about white supremacy and he said that he had a habit of asking his college students these are mostly white students he said he would ask them at the beginning of the semester uh you know how much money would it take for you to switch and be a black person how much money would you take and these would be young white people so 18 20 years old how much money would it take for you to switch places and be black for the rest of your life and he said the figure that he's gotten it's averaged about 50 million dollars <laughs> i think to me that demonstrates a high understanding of the toll that racism, white supremacy takes, that they're not ignorant, that they understand this has a massive impact on your life, massive and detrimental impact. And I would need millions upon millions to even begin to offset that. Um, I wanted to uh, to ask as well, just with the situation in Oklahoma City, they have an all white jury that's going to be deciding his fate. Uh, they on the same day that they selected an all-white jury, the Supreme Court, they're looking at this court case about, hey, how come black people don't end up being on juries? Uh, you've been a resident in Washington, D.C. for how many years now, Dr. Welsing? Well, I've been in Washington, D.C. since 1958, with the exception of one year, 1962 to 1963. Wow. Have you ever been called for jury duty in Washington, D.C.? Yes, but I have not been on a jury. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That, I would say that goes to your earlier point. Total system of white supremacy that is to be expected uh, in a quote-unquote justice system, constantly finding ways to exclude and negate black people from participating uh, in juries. Do you, do you have any thoughts on this, this case in the Supreme Court and, and, and just uh, anything in terms of how this relates to white supremacy? Well, um, 
I would say that, uh, you know, I don't want to predict what is likely to happen, but um, I'll just have to, I'll just wait and see. But I'm not going to be surprised if we find that the decision is reflective of the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, again, there are so many things that uh, happen. I want to try and get as much as I can and then get some of the callers. Uh, I think I was able to, to fax you the document, if you didn't see it, because white people spent a lot of time talking about it this week. Uh, the data that just came out, this study is saying that middle-aged whites, uh, and particularly white people that don't have a lot of education, maybe just high school or dropped out of high school, uh, whites that are kind of in their 40s, and particularly white men, uh, that their death rate death rates are increasing and they were saying whoa that is that is shocking that's not supposed to be happening uh to white people and in a lot of these reports i've heard uh different journalists and people when they've been analyzing this they've said you know for black people you know hey they don't they don't have a whole lot of expectations it's always bad things happening to them um, because of racism i've heard people saying things i'm paraphrasing but that's kind of what they've been saying they've been saying wow for white people this is this is amazing. See, it's not supposed to be happening. See, this is, to me, that's a significant phrase. It's not supposed to be happening to white people. Absolutely, absolutely. And when they've been describing this, they've been saying, well, some of this is prescription medication, some of this is drugs, some of this is the turn down uh, in the economy. I think they said that they were seeing uh, suicide, uh, significant levels of suicide uh, amongst this group of people, uh, these white people, particularly white males that are in their 40s with low levels of education. Uh, what what's your theory about why they spend so much time talking about this and why this is happening? Well, I think what what I thought was that people who classify themselves as white are beginning to feel and become aware that whites are a tiny minority on the planet, and to the extent that there's any motion at all, even discussion about Black Lives Matter or any discussion about um, the absence of uh, diversity where the person whose mindset consciously and or subconsciously is thinking, I'm white and certain things are my right because I am white, and I can do whatever it is that I want to do to non-white people, and I can get away with it, because that is my right as a white person in the system of racism, white supremacy. So that's their crystallized conscious and or subconscious identity. Well, if cracks begin to appear in the system of racism, white supremacy, even cracks such as a discussion about gun control, then subconsciously the white person can start feeling like my system that has protected me 
that has given me privileges above those that persons who are non-white have. It's sort of like the foundation is shifting. Then I don't have a reason to live. And so whether it's felt in terms of losing a job or falling wages or just, um, you know, whatever, all of the wars that are taking place and non-white people involved, things are shifting. And so is this contributing to this is, there was a time period where white males could look at the ball games and see white males as stars in the basketball game, white males as stars in the football game. Maybe the blacks weren't even allowed to play. Now all of the heroes or many of the heroes are black, and whites see themselves pushed to the side. And so if I can't be looked upon, if I can't think of myself as superior, then I don't have a reason to live. Now, the concept of white superiority, white genetic superiority, is a reaction to the reality that whites are not genetically superior. Whites are mutations from blacks and they are genetic recessive in terms of skin coloration. And so it's the feeling, I don't have what everybody else on the planet has. This is the subconscious thinking in terms, on the part of the white minority. I don't have color. They all have skin color. Now, I can try to suntan and get color, but... Mentally, I don't have skin color, but all of the other people on the planet have skin color. Now, how the whites handled, as a collective handled, being mutations or having a genetic deficiency state, which is what skin whiteness is, it's albinism, it's defined in the field of genetics as a genetic deficiency state. And so they set up a system to compensate for a sense of genetic inadequacy and also for genetic survival. So then if that's taken away, then it's like the foundation or the pedestal upon which whites were standing or looking at themselves or thinking of themselves and their identity if that's taken away, then they may feel there's no point in my living. I don't know if that's clear. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal, um, I was just going to ask, uh, could this also be, I think, two points. Number one, I think the last few times that you visited with us, uh, you've consistently encouraged us to think about whether or not these uh, increasing images and seeing uh, white women in sexual arrangements with black males, uh, that that could be 
prompting a lot of white male anger uh, and discomfort, uh, seeing that in greater numbers, at least publicly. And you didn't see as much of this publicly uh, 50, 60 years ago uh, to the level that it is now. That's one. And also the Obama effect. Do you think those two things also could be adding to this uh, rise with with white males in their face? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would say so. Uh, I think that the Obama effect, where uh, you know, where I would allow many whites who voted for President Obama as the first black president of the United States, felt that they were being liberal. I mean, first of all, he had all the qualifications necessary to be president. And so by voting for him, they could feel, well, we're liberal. But then once seeing the black man in the White House with the black wife and with the black children and the black mother-in-law, then it's like a thunderclap. My goodness, what have we done? He's in the seat of the most powerful man on the planet. What does this mean can happen to the system of racism and white supremacy? And so, you know, all kinds of things were said. He's not Christian. He's not this. Translate, he's not white. You see, and so even the lawmakers who said our job is to see that he fails, we're going to try to see that he fails. All of that reaction and refusing to cooperate and to get things done for the entire country because dealing with a black man. And so the Obama effect, I mean, that aspect of the Obama effect, the other aspect of the Obama effect, when uh, President Obama became president and there was a massive rush on the part of whites to purchase guns. And then for the black man to talk about, uh, as president of the United States, that there needed to be some kind of gun control. Well, the gun is the symbolic substitute for white males' genitals not able to cause black genetic annihilation. Black males' genitals, because of the dominant genetic material, can cause white genetic annihilation. But white genetics, as genetic recessive, can't do that. And so that is the symbolic subconscious importance of the gun and why there cannot be gun control. But the, the whole discussion about there needs to be gun control, there needs to be gun control. And so without the gun, there can't be white genetic survival. And without white genetic survival, there's no point in being on planet Earth. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Folks listening in, if you have questions you'd like to ask Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, uh, feel free. The number to dial 641-715-3640. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you have a question and we will get you on to uh, speak with Dr. Welsing. Uh, I have been 
slacking. I just don't watch CNN that much. I do check the news on a regular basis. Dr. Welsing inspires me and Mr. Fuller and several others uh, to make sure that I'm checking the news constantly and trying to be informed. But I don't watch CNN that regularly. Uh, You said you had been watching CNN and you said you had seen something that at least piqued your interest, uh, that they were looping footage of Jim Jones. What what do you think the significance of that is? Well, uh, repeatedly showing the film of Jonestown without giving an explanation as to why is this film being shown over and over again. Uh, For the listeners who uh, may not remember, black people followed the white minister, Jim Jones, to a commune in Guyana, South America, and uh, a thousand black people were killed. And so I've just, you know, observed it coming on over and over and over again without explanation. And I just raised the question, is this getting black people accustomed and white people accustomed to seeing dead black people? See, black people are being killed, and I maintain genocide, whether we talk about HIV, whether we talk about Ebola, whether we talk about uh, black, so-called black-on-black homicide, or whether we talk about uh, police brutality, the number of blacks that are being killed there. So we, we can look on the continent of Africa and all of the chaos that is going on on the continent of Africa, and people dying, and also black people being moved out of the urban centers, out to distant uh, parts of the suburbs, as whites up into the cities and taking over the urban centers. So a lot is taking place, and I just raised the question, because I raised the question, why is this being shown? And there has to be a reason that it's being shown over and over again. In other words, some people are sitting in scheduling and planning and program planning uh, conferences in the, in the space of CNN, and some people are deciding we're going to show this film over and over again. And so... If you're looking and thinking, you have to say, why is this being shown? That's like raising the question, why are those despicable images of black people, how to get away with murder, scandal, empire, why are these images, why are black people being encouraged to engage in these particular image uh, portrayals? in these so-called entertainment, because these are not positive, constructive images of black people. They're everything but positive and constructive images of black people. These are images that the system of racism, white supremacy, in the area of so-called entertainment, these are roles that black people are being paid and given the opportunity Black people think it's just a matter of making money and they're a star. 
That's because they don't understand system structure, racism, white supremacy, and what the system is actually about. So again, I put that question out there. Constantly showing a thousand dead black people all stretched out on ground, having followed a white minister to Guyana, the federal government participated because it allowed the social security checks of those people to be sent to Jim Jones in Guyana. So why did, you know, what's going on? Why did it happen in the first place? I know that I asked uh, the then head of the National Medical Association, that's the black medical society in the country, I said to him, you've got to find out why did this happen, and black physicians should be given the chance to do the autopsies on these bodies. And the head of the National Medical Association came back and said to me that they contacted people in the Jimmy Carter White House, and they were told to stay out of it. It's too hot to handle. Now, that's my own personal experience with what happened at Jonestown. Because I said, first of all, we were being told that the people drank poison Kool-Aid. You see, but there were dogs that were dead. Dogs wouldn't drink Kool-Aid with cyanide in it. So something else happened to those thousand people. And when the National Medical Association asked the Jimmy Carter White House what was going on and that the black physician should be able to do autopsies on these victims, they were told to stay out of it. It's too hot to handle. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Um, let's see, I'm trying to cover as much as possible with current things. I know also when we were talking, we had you on the program. I think this was last year, uh, or it might have even been two years ago, because I think it was right after the murder trial for Trayvon Martin. Um, we were talking about uh, cannabis being legalized, that that might be helpful. That might, you know, help solve some of the problems. You got a lot of black people being locked up. Uh, for drug-related offenses, nonviolent drug-related offenses, and if we go ahead and legalize cannabis, that that might be helpful in keeping uh, a good number of black people out of greater confinement. And uh, you had given your views on that and saying that no, I don't, I don't think that that's going to be constructive. I think we can just leave uh, cannabis alone, black people. If we're not using it, then that will solve a lot of these problems. Uh, since that time, it's been legalized uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, what has been your observation in terms of how this has, has impacted uh, black residents in the nation's capital? Well, I had uh, one patient come to me uh, and said that she had signed up to have uh, medical marijuana because she had back pain. So some physician had decided to give her an okay to get medical marijuana. Well, the thing that I felt was quite tragic was that this was a person that had very young children. And I asked, were they smoking in their home? Were they smoking where the children were present? And they said, yes. Well, 
uh, any of the reading on uh, about marijuana. Marijuana can be destructive to the brain. So when a person is smoking marijuana, somebody has told them that this is medicinal. And so then the person is acting like it's an aspirin. And they're smoking it around children and causing the children to have potential brain damage because of sex and smoke. I can only say, why would this be done? See, it's one thing for white people who have good jobs and they want to smoke marijuana recreationally, occasionally smoking. But for people who are under high-level stress and don't have jobs and are unemployed and suffering all of the stressors that black people experience, then they, when they're told, oh, this is medical, then you're, you can just smoke this, and I'm saying it's medical, so I'm not informing you that it can be harmful to young children who are living in your household. Young children, whether they're young or whether they're teenagers. I have a patient, a young man, whose mother was addicted to marijuana, and he started smoking marijuana at an early age and developed a psychosis because of his exposure to marijuana. So, again, if we begin to understand racism, white supremacy, and understand it's the same system that gave us the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, then we will have to think twice. You see, we have to do some very hard thinking about what really is going on. It's just like, you know, if looking at TV and seeing all of the commercials that now have black men with white women in commercials. You say, well, why is this taking place? See, every black woman who's looking for a husband and looking for a black husband should say, wait a minute, for some reason the media is promoting Black men should be with white women. Well, I'm looking for a husband. I would like to. I'm saying this is what a black female could say. I'm looking for a husband. But why is the media constantly showing black men with white women? There must be a reason. And I say the reason is is that perhaps the system has decided, even though there is a fundamental concern about white genetic annihilation, perhaps the system has uh, thought about, well, during slavery, the black female was raped by the white slave master. So the children that came from that union had a black mother. The black mother would tell the child, you're black. But now we can have a different kind of mindset when the mixed-race child has a white mother and the first breast in the baby's mouth is a white breast. 
And so they are born into a system of racism, white supremacy. And so the the white mother tells the child, you're not black. You're mixed race. Now, she's got a black husband, but she's saying to the black child, you're not black. So she's indicating that she doesn't approve of black or there's something wrong with black. And so then that child grows up with that experience, and many times or certainly sometimes that child can be a useful tool to use against black people because the child really doesn't have positive. It grows up to an adult person who really doesn't identify deeply with black. See, black people, some black people have complained about President Obama, that it seems to be very difficult for him to say, he can talk about it's important that the gay, lesbian, and transgenders not be discriminated against, that the women not be discriminated against, that the Hispanics not be discriminated against. It's very difficult for President Obama to directly say, and focus on what is specifically happening to black people. Now, is that a result of his mother being white? And so I don't really want to talk about my mother, and so I don't want to really talk about racism, white supremacy. So I just raise that question. Mm. I have to... uh give the pushback because people when they they've heard you over the years on this program and elsewhere give your your commentary on uh cannabis uh, a lot of our listeners i'm sure would say hey i've i've had a lot of experience with black people and just people period white people non-white people uh who consume cannabis and i have not seen any evidence uh that this causes brain damage or psychosis Uh, I know a lot of non-white people who are high-functioning, have great jobs, they're able to take care of their children, take care of themselves, uh, and they they function perfectly even though they do consume and that there has been years, decades, uh, of all kinds of inflammatory and racist propaganda to say, oh my gosh, this drug will drive you crazy, and uh, even the laws when they they put in the prohibitions on cannabis, uh, you know, the record is there that this was about racism, white supremacy. Uh, and so there would be a lot of people who would say, hey, I don't I don't think that this is going to be harmful. I don't think this is bad. Uh, and maybe you shouldn't consume around your children. They might even concede that when I, you know, you should make sure that you're not doing around them. But I just don't see any evidence. That just sounds like a lot of the same propaganda that they've been spewing for the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years or so. What would your response be? I would say have the black people solved the problem of racism, white supremacy. You see, have black people solved the problem of low test scores? You see, or are they nodding away? In other words, what is the black response to greater than depression levels of unemployment? See, think about all the black men who are suffering from chronic unemployment under the system of racism, white supremacy. Has the system said, oh, you can smoke marijuana and kind of cool out. So you're not marching in the street demanding that you have jobs. 
have I got you cooled out on marijuana? And now I'm putting additional additives in it. You see, because many people are being released from prison because of disparate sentencing, but they're coming out and they won't have jobs and they won't have income. So isn't this a great time for me to put medical marijuana out there so that they can, instead of worrying about not having a job, not being able to play the functional role of husband, and not be able to play the functional role of father, they can just cool on out and become an unemployed zombie or worst-case scenario, well, just let's leave it at that. See, we've got this gigantic problem of racism and white supremacy that is playing havoc on individual lives and the structure and functioning of the black family. Playing havoc on the education of black children. And so we could either focus on that or, you know, we can just cool on out and act like... I had a young man, a patient of mine, say to me, I have to use marijuana because otherwise I'd be worried about not having a job. So maybe legal marijuana is going to be the drug of, drug of choice in the in the suburbs concentration camps. Mm. Mm. I, I think a lot of times when people when they've heard you talk on this and and they disagree with your view, uh, I think a lot of times people uh, forget or minimize uh, that you are a third generation physician, general, and child psychiatrist <laughs> i think that that should be amplified uh when folks process the information that you've just given us your view on this uh just before i move to the next topic you i know you but have, let me say this mm-hmm. see in other words should people be incarcerated for um minimal use of drugs i say no black people should be given the exact same treatment that whites are given when they are found with marijuana or any other drug. They should be given the exact same treatment. So I'm not saying lock up black people who might be using marijuana. What I'm responding to is the impact that marijuana has. And physicians know that marijuana can have negative impact on brain functioning. Now, this is something that is known in the medical literature. See, this is not just Francis Welsing saying something. You see, but it's the same system 
that doesn't give black people employment, the same system that is forcing black people out of the urban centers. It's the same system that gave black people the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. It's the same system that is now telling black people medical marijuana in the presence of high-level unemployment. So this is why it's critical for all of us as black people to begin to understand what the system was about. See, that's, and I think that everybody needs to familiarize themselves with what happened to the Semites of the Jewish religion in Nazi Germany. Hitler, first of all, said, I'm not interested in their religion. I'm getting rid of them because they are not white. They may look light-skinned, but they are not white, and that's why I'm making them put on a yellow bar. And so when Hitler started removing them from uh, the cities, he said, you're going to go someplace where there are jobs. And where did they end up? In a concentration camp or ovens. Because Hitler wanted Europe to be all white. See, I encourage people to stay abreast of the news. All of the people from the Middle East are being pushed up into Europe. And what are the white people in Europe doing? Going back to the attitudes of Adolf Hitler. Because they cannot. See, I'm surprised that Angela Merkel, the head of uh, Germany, do you see Germany accepted responsibility for killing and genociding the Semites of the Jewish religion? So Germany has accepted that. And in Germany, you can't fly a swastika, but you can fly an American Confederate flag. But I'm surprised that she doesn't seem to understand that it's not just foreigners coming into the country. It's people who have dark skin. And if they are allowed to stay and mix with the lighter-skinned, the white-skinned Germans or other European countries, it could be Norway. Remember they had the shooting where 70-something People were shot and killed in Norway by somebody who didn't want people of color in Norway. That was several years ago. And so they cannot become a part of the white population without the white population becoming dark. So this is, this is an issue all over Europe, and it's an issue that is going on here in this part of the world. Somebody said, why are these black men being shot by the police, white males who are authorized to carry guns? I maintain that it is because there are so many white women seeking to relate to black men. And whereas they used to, 
you know, chased down if a black man was caught with a white woman or black woman said a black a white woman said a black man did something to her, then the black man would be hunted down and lynched and castrated. Well, now the lynching is supposed to be a prohibition on lynching, although it periodically occurs. But it's supposed to be a prohibition on lynching, but white women who say their ideal mate is tall, dark, and handsome are seeking to relate to black men. And so white men who are authorized to carry guns, they're called police, find themselves tracking down black men on the street, stopping their automobiles, or finding one reason or another to shoot and kill them and saying, I thought he had a weapon. Well, the weapon is his genetic material that is in the mind of the police officer that is dominant to white genetic material. That was uh, Anders Breivik, uh, the white male uh, suspected race soldier uh, who killed, uh, he set off a bomb and then he went and shot up a whole lot of people because he didn't uh, want non-white people and he used the term Islamophobia in Norway and then even I think more recently within the last month or so they had uh, last couple of weeks, excuse me, they had uh, a white man in Sweden uh, who went to a school uh, and started stabbing non-white people. Uh, same thing, upset because there were too many non-white people coming into Sweden. And in fact, with that one, I remember he dressed up. He had a sword that he went and attacked these non-white people with. Uh, white people, they were taking selfies. They were taking pictures with him when he first got there because they just thought he was in a Halloween outfit until he started hacking up non-white people. Um I see the folks that uh, that dialed in. I just I also definitely wanted to get your your comments because this has been in the news a lot uh, of late as well uh, with the gay rights and, and LGBT rights. There's been a lot uh, in the schools with uh, transgender rights. Uh, and if it's a student and they decide that maybe on my birth certificate, uh, it says male, uh, but I identify as female. And so I want to use the female bathroom and, and vice versa. They've got a lot of that. They have a transgender students rights bill in California uh, that says it doesn't matter if a student you know says that they they were born male but they are female uh, you have to allow them on the female sports teams female bathroom and and all of that and that's gotten a lot of attention uh, over the past couple years or so uh, how does that fit into the system of white supremacy what are your thoughts on that well first let me say that the issue of gender confusion, why it is occurring, I'm not certain that uh, medicine has all the answers or if any of the answers, but there are children who, and, and more so now than ever before, more cases now than ever before, and so I'm not uh, advocating that there should be discrimination towards the this particular medical condition. You see, there might be uh, more than one uh, cause of why it is taking place. And so, of course, there should not be discrimination against these children. But at the same time, I think accommodations should be made so that other students are not feeling being made to feel uncomfortable. I mean, if, uh, you know, let's say it's the female bathroom 
And so a child who has uh, gender dysphoria and is a male decides I'm going to dress up as a male today and go into the female bathroom. You see, I think that that sets the stage for a lot of confusion versus, well, we're just going to have to set up other bathrooms for these students to use where they can feel comfortable and where the other students can also feel comfortable. That people have taken the position that if you do that, right, if you have a separate locker room or uh, a restroom uh, and it's for transgender students, that that in and of itself is an act of discrimination because you're singling these people out and saying, okay, you can't be uh, with the rest of the students. You have to be over here uh, in your own special bathroom. And I've even heard some people, they've equated that to saying that's like uh, having the white water fountain and the black water fountain or colored water fountain, that it's the same thing, that these students have to be integrated in with everybody else. What would your response to that be? Well, I'm just saying that you can have a, a lot of confusion on the part of other students who are not dealing with that issue. So what about those students? Have you, have you observed? In other words, let's say the transgender student has already identified him or herself as a transgender student. So the students all know about that. You see, somebody who was a female is now going to be male, or somebody who's male is now going to be female. So the students are all familiar with that. And so the students, in general, are not discriminating against those students. They already know the situation, and so if a special facility, it seems to me, was set up, so that everybody is comfortable, you don't have to have a lot of confusion going on. Why not handle it that way? That would be my thought. Hmm. Um, at least it's been my observation. I think some other people, uh, they have seen, they've concluded that there seems to be a big push to tie this LGBT rights and transgender issues and gay rights to tie that, to connect that to white supremacy racism and say this is all the same thing discrimination is discrimination mistreatment is mistreatment and particularly to pull in a lot of black people to say hey you all should be you all should be on board with this this is something that you should be concerned about you should be our biggest allies because you black people you know all about mistreatment so you should you know not want to see anyone else uh be mistreated uh have you have you observed that do you have any thoughts on that well i would yes yeah, see i would just say that black people should stand up and be proud of being who they are, respecting themselves as black people, and say, fine, you have, speaking to the gay, lesbian, transgender person, you have your issues, you stand up and do all the fighting you need to do about your issue. My issue is a different issue. And I will stand up and address my issue, as I understand, my issue. You see, so black people don't have to try to stop anybody from doing dealing with their issue, but black people should have the self-respect to stand up and say, 
our issue is the historic 500-year-old issue of racism, white supremacy, that has to do with the fear of white genetic annihilation. That's why white, gay, lesbian, and transgender people have some of the same attitudes about race. Because race is, race is racism, and that is white supremacy, and that is about white genetic survival. So that's, that's your issue over there. Our issue is dealing with, as victims, people who have been victimized by the system of racism and white supremacy for the last 500 years. This is our issue, you see. But when black people don't want to stand up and address the issue of racism and white supremacy, uh, and I will say that uh, that is a failing on our part in many circles. Do you see where, let's say, black organizations who get money from people who classify themselves as white, and when they consciously or subconsciously know white people don't want black people talking about racism, then those people end up talking about the symptoms as opposed to the disease or the symptoms as opposed to the cause. And I say that it's absolutely essential. If you're going to do anything about a problem, you can't attack, can't focus on the result of the problem. You have to focus on the problem itself. You say that the, the results, these are the evidence of the problem. But we have to talk about system of racism, white supremacy, which is why I say that Eric Holder, the former attorney general in the Obama administration, he said, are we a nation of cowards? Being unable to talk about racism, racism, not white privilege, racism, racism is white supremacy. That's what somehow black people have to find the courage to stand up as black people and address the system of racism, white supremacy. And using that specific language, there's a Chinese proverb that says the beginning of wisdom is to call a thing by its correct name. And so our challenge as black people is to have the courage. I say that courage evolves from self-respect. And self-respect is the most important thing in the entire world. It's more powerful than nuclear weapons. And all of the programs, empire, scandal, a whole lot of the rap songs with all this negative language, all of that is put forth to annihilate self-respect, to annihilate the self-respect of black people. It's just like turning on the TV and you see white, 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 black man acting silly, white, 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 
All of that is black self-respect annihilation if you don't understand what you're looking at. If you know what you're looking at, then you say, oh, wow, okay, this is the evidence of a system of racism, white supremacy. But without that knowledge, that's just going unfiltered into the non-white and complete pewter that white is good and black is bad. If black wasn't bad, it would be on the TV. Context of white supremacy. Uh, we'll nab some of the folks who dialed in with questions. Uh, again, the number uh, 641-715-3640. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, Thomas in New York, second time today. Uh, if you have a question for Dr. Welsing, feel free. Good evening, Dr. Welsing. Good evening. Mm-hmm. And good evening, Doc. Good evening to all the callers. Um, wow, um, two quick questions for you. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm sure you are because you, um, you know about everything. Um, uh, the two white top, the two non-white cops that shot the little black boy. Have you seen that on the news today? Uh, I'm gonna have to have you. I'm gonna have to have you repeat it. Uh, he um, was two. Oh, go ahead, Dust. He was. Uh, he was saying that there are two uh, non-white officers, two black officers in Louisiana. Uh, they were arrested for shooting and killing uh, a white six-year-old in Louisiana. This happened just last couple days, um, and they've already been arrested. And and the whole nine, I think. The uh, captain for the police department came out and said that this was horrible. The the video footage that shows the shooting, they were pursuing the child's father. They were pursuing him uh, and he fled. And that's when the shooting took place. He was saying, uh, have, are you aware of this case? Right. I don't know all the details. And I wasn't sure what racial category the police officers were in. They looked uh, what I did see, they appeared to be non-white. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, they're non-white. The two that were arrested, they are non-white. That's my understanding. Are yeah, they, they black like or are they Hispanic? One looks like he could be Asian or Hispanic, and the other one looks like he could be either black or Hispanic. I see. Well, what I was impressed by, maybe you have other data, was... You know, the media handled this is so horrible. This is just outrageous. This is horrible. And immediately uh, doing something to the police officers, if it was non-white police officers and it was a white child that was killed. Now, of course, that's a tragedy, but it seemed to be uh, a more rapid response uh, removing the police and in the case if it was a black child and the way we have seen white police officers handled or a black person and white police officers being involved in a shooting. Wow. Uh, I think Thomas in New York might have got dropped. Uh, I will just get our next call and then when he dials back in I'll get because I think he said he had a follow-up question to that. Uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? You should be with us. 
Yes, sir. Uh, hopefully, uh, Dr. Welsing is aware of this uh, particular case, uh, University of Missouri, uh, with the uh, the young fellows uh, from the football team who are uh, boycotting, refusing to uh, uh, go to practice, participate in any of the games until the president of the university is uh, removed. Uh, I will figure that they're violating the, the uh, their scholarship contract in some kind of way. Uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that. Uh, LeVar, would you repeat the question at the end? <laughs> uh, he just said he wanted to know your thoughts on that. I guess you might not have heard at the beginning where we were talking about that incident because that was the first thing that we touched on, but he uh, just was saying the black football players at the University of Missouri, them not playing uh, until the president steps down. Um, I guess I could answer, yes, she does know about it. We talked about it, but he just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Uh, well, as I said, I'm pleased with the young people standing up and respecting themselves. And the only thing I would add to that is I think that all black people should stand up and support the students and support the discussion, uh, you know, saying that racism, white supremacy, needs to be the number one topic that needs to be talked about by everybody, all the people who classify themselves as white and all of the black people, certainly. And should, we should stop soft-pedaling it, and I'm glad the students are speaking up about racism. And we should all be standing up and speaking up about racism. You know, sometimes they talk about the young people don't respect the old people. Well, if the older people are soft-peddling uh, and not really dealing with what the young people are dealing with, now the older people are dealing with the same thing, but if they're not talking about it, and the young people are having to deal with it, and the older people are not talking about it, then we're not doing our job as older people. And all black people should be talking about the topic on the table is the local, national, global system of racism, white supremacy. And all black people, in my humble opinion, should be saying to Hillary Clinton, don't ask for the black vote. Don't expect the black vote unless you are going to talk about the system of racism, white supremacy. Not one or two of the symptoms of the problem. You're going to talk about the entire system. Your husband in 2001 was talking about erasing America's color line. This is a New York Times article. In, uh, the first uh, January 14th, 2001, the unfinished business of becoming one nation. Now, Bill Clinton was talking about the problem 14 years ago. The problem continues. So we don't need anybody talking about the symptoms. We need them talking about the entire system of racism, white supremacy. So that's my thought. <laughs>
Yes, ma'am. I, I, I too, am proud of, of those young people uh, for at least uh, wanting to do something about uh, the system of racism and white supremacy and because there's plenty of distractions where, they, where, where a lot of, uh, of us are doing a lot of other things other than what you're suggesting, which is a focus on the greatest problem, the system of racism and white supremacy. Thank you for, for your answer. For sure. I need, yes, I, look, I need you to repeat that, please. Oh, he just, he said that he agreed and he also was very proud of the uh, young uh, black football players uh, at Missouri for the stance that they're taking on racism. Uh, and he uh, agrees with your suggestion that we prioritize, we focus our time and energy on trying to solve the problem of, of racism, white supremacy. And uh, he just thanked you uh, for your time and, and responding to his uh, his query. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Thomas in New York dialed back in, so I'll get his question. Just the article, Erasing America's Color Lines, uh, I posted it on my Facebook page so folks can check it out from uh, the New York Times. He uh, uses the same line Dr. uh, Dr. Welsing references on the program all the time. He starts the article, the problem of the 20th century is the problem of the color line. The same quote uh, from W.E.B. Dubois that Dr. Welsing uh, makes note of all the time on the program. Uh, Thomas in New York. If uh, you're back with us, did you want to go with your next question? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, thank you very much. Oh, man, there's people in Iowa hating us. I don't know. Um, Dr. Wells, and my last question um, is on Dr. Ben Carson. Um, I just want to know your thoughts on him and your thoughts on the media this week trying to portray him as an angry black man. Well, uh, it's interesting that uh, you should raise a question about uh, Dr. Carson because it seems to me, in other words, really we have to see how this whole thing plays out. But one of the things that I was thinking about, uh, did uh, Dr. Carson become an attractive figure? because he was a black man who presented himself. Initially, I was an angry black man. You see, I was, you know, harming other people. But then I, you know, because of my religious faith and whatnot, I became an unangry black man. Now, was why Ben Carson was, um, you know, supported and uh, encouraged uh, by the Republican Party to uh, be a presidential nominee. For one thing, the Republican Party could say, see, we're not racist. We are supporting this black man. And this black man used to be angry but he is no longer angry. He has given up anger, and he speaks in this soft voice, this almost uh, melodious, soft voice. But now what is interesting is because within the system of racism and white supremacy, they cannot stop finding, you know, no matter whether it's the Democrats or whoever, finding reason to attack the black man. So then you have uh, some white people in the media saying, we think he's lying 
about who he was. And so now they are attacking him, and Dr. Carson seems to be getting angry, interestingly. You see, he was a person who didn't get angry or had solved the problem of anger as a black man. Uh, and so I just uh, am going to observe uh, and whether or not uh, he was useful to the Republican Party for a period of time, and now, you know, we can use him for a period of time and show, see, we're not racist, and he's willing to attack black people, so uh, he's somebody that we can definitely use. But uh, now, um, if his story is not what we wanted it to be, uh, then is it time for us to drop him? So I don't know. Uh, I would be interested in what other people think about it. Well, thank you for taking my um, questions. My thought was, um, you know, is this time to go? They're going to start with the, with the bashing, but um, I think you pretty much confirmed that. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, okay. I think the Washington Post, they had a piece just a couple days ago where they were comparing him to Herman Cain uh, and saying that uh, basically don't believe the hype. All of the, the polls that were for a while saying he was out in the lead and he's a front runner that he could maybe capture the Republican nomination that they were saying. We've seen this before. We've seen what you do to these uh, black candidates, uh, particularly Republican black candidates. We've seen this before and uh, we pretty much expect the same thing that happened to Herman Cain, which I think uh, also involves some white women in his downfall for presidential uh, candidate in 2012. Uh, the person that dialed in uh, last four digits, uh, uh, 9769, 9769. Did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Um, hi, greetings, Gus and Dr. Welsing. Greetings. greetings. Dr. Um, Dr. Welsing, I read a report last week um, saying that middle-aged white Americans are committing suicide, and um, they're dying at an alarming rate um, faster than, I think, black people and Hispanics. Um, could you think of what the white supremacists would try to do to reverse that trend? Uh, I'll repeat the, the last question that he said. Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to the report on uh, the increasing numbers of white people that are uh, death rates for middle-aged whites, uh, the suicides and what have you, he was saying, what do you think the system of white supremacy might do to reverse that trend? Well, uh, you know, some of the articles that I've seen where they, you know, all kinds of supports or that uh, this particular demographic segment uh, do you see, do they need mental health supports and to provide uh, those supports that are needed? Or, by you know, the system could say, well, wait a minute, we are losing whites uh, in this uh, demographic segment, and so we're just going to have to step up killing the number of uh, black people uh, to help balance things out. Uh, so, in other words, understand the system is about white genetic survival. 
by any means necessary. And just like those articles said, the death of white people, this is something that is not supposed to be happening, certainly prematurely. White people are not supposed to be dying. Black people are supposed to be dying. Uh, Non-white people are supposed to be dying, but not white people. And so just that fact in and of itself should help us as black people really get further insight into what the system of racism, white supremacy is all about. But uh, as we talked about it earlier, um, I think that uh, whites may be becoming despondent because they are experiencing certain cracks in the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, it's not as stable as it has previously been. And is this causing them to begin to feel consciously or subconsciously? It's no point to live. For example, just like if we talked about black-on-black homicide that I say is a reaction to racism, white supremacy, where uh, unemployed black males who don't see a future other than selling drugs and shooting and killing, are they also despondent about the situation that they find themselves in, in the system of racism, white supremacy, and so they are then involved in the deadly game of shooting and killing one another because of their despondency. You know, there have been reports about young white, young black males, rather, not thinking that they are going to live beyond 25. And that's because the system of racism, white supremacy, is indicating to them there are not any jobs for you. You see, if people know there are not any jobs, then they are not motivated to complete their education. And so they are despondent. They don't expect to live, even though there's not a lot of discussion about it. But it certainly influences the kind of choices that they make about behavior. Did that answer your question, sir? Um, that did answer my question. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Welsing. That was very insightful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the caller at 6981, 6981, did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call, and I, it's an honor to talk to Dr. Welsing. Thank you, Gus. Uh, just a quick comment. Uh, it's on the web and in the major newspapers in 2012, more whites died in the U.S. than were born. So they are having a problem. But my, my, my question is, I want to know if Dr. Wilson has heard of this book called I Hate Black Women by some person. I think it's a ghostwriter. His name or her name is T.C. Writer, and, uh, W-R-I-T-E-R, and I suspect it's a white supremacist. But I can just, I, I, um, I got an email from Change.org, I think. They, they had a petition out to stop this book from being printed or uh, not printed, but Amazon.com. They were petitioning to have Amazon, uh, for us not to buy Amazon.com books because they were 
selling this book. So I couldn't help it, but I went online, looked and read some of the excerpts, and I couldn't believe what this book is saying. But then I thought about you, how you were talking about white supremacy and how they, they try to hold the black man down. Now they're coming to attack the black woman. And if I could just read a paragraph, it says, you black women believe that you are our queens and goddesses because you can put your assets on display, living, uh, giving opportunities, you know, and because you know 101 ways, times 101 ways to get laid by a man and sexually please a man who will never be with you. And then it goes on a lot of crazy things. It says, I don't know what it's like to be a black man who has gone through the trials and tribulations of being raised by a black woman. I mean, I don't want to give this book any advertisement, but I thought about you. Now I can see this big picture. I couldn't see the big picture of racism and white supremacy until I started, until I started listening to you. Because, you know, I worked in corporate America, and, you know, I just say personally, well, the white folks are okay. But you have to see the big picture in order to understand that it's there. And now as I look back, I can see it. I can see the big picture now. Now, this book, I, you know, this person has a lot of merit, but I believe it's a white supremacist who wrote this book. What do you think about this book, Dr. Wilson? Well, you see, what I want black people to become so sophisticated uh, and knowledgeable in their understanding of a system of racism, white supremacy, so when they see something like that, uh, they will say, well, uh, you know, within the framework of the system of racism, white supremacy, I can understand where this pattern of thinking comes from. Uh, and so this is just further evidence of the system of racism, white supremacy. I would be less inclined to say, this should not be out there, do you see, because then the turnaround would be black people should not be talking about the system of racism, white supremacy, where you block freedom of speech. See, black people should become so sophisticated in understanding racism, white supremacy, and playing the black side of the chessboard to say, the you know, each time we see the use of the word nigger, each time we see the Confederate flag, we understand, we expect to see these things. We expect to see books of this kind as long as there is a system of racism, white supremacy. So this is just reinforcement that we are correct in our understanding and discussing and talking about this entire system of racism, white supremacy that informs patterns of perception, logic, symbol formation, thought, speech, action, and emotional response as manifested in all areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Do you see? And so black people take that stand, but then black people have to be determined that they are going to respect themselves and they are going to have in their mind, if I respect myself as a black woman, if I respect myself as a black man, what 
kind of behavior do I engage in in economics, education, entertainment, labor law, politics, religion, sex, and war? How do I conduct myself manifesting that I respect myself as a black man or as a black woman? See, this is what I think that, in, in other words, I believe that if black people begin to understand in depth system of racism, white supremacy, and understand that the system necessitates the annihilation of self-respect on the part of black people. That if black people begin to understand that, wait a minute, the system needs for us to not respect ourselves, for the system is fine. And so we are going to take charge of our image and the level of respect that we have for ourselves. And that is going to be a level of self-respect second to none. And to the extent that it requires black self-hatred to hold up the system of racism, white supremacy, the system is going to collapse. I don't know if that's making it clear. Oh, it's very clear. See, if black people begin to value themselves and start thinking, wait a minute. In other words, the system feels that black women are bitches and hoes. That's why they pay multiple millions of dollars to so-called entertainers to use that kind of language. Niggers, hoes, bitches, gangsters, and thugs. That's what the system needs to think about black people and influence or program black people to think this about themselves. Then the system of racism and white supremacy can go on forever. But black people, I mean, think about it. We are the parent people on the planet. We're the mothers and fathers of everybody on the planet, including the mutations to albinism, mutations to white-skinned people. We're their parents, too. And so we need to think deeply about who we are supposed to be, the first people to establish civilization, the first philosophers, the first mathematicians, the first architects, the first people to discuss what God is supposed to be about. So we are, again, we're the parent people, but the system of racism and supremacy has ground black people down to the lowest creatures on the planet. The only people on the planet who feel they're entertaining themselves, calling themselves niggers and dogs and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs. The only people. So we have been taken from being the parent people on the planet the first people to know about family life, the first people to know about God, the first people to know about civilizations, building pyramids, etc., to be taken down to the lowest depths. 
you see, where we want to call ourselves niggers, and we want to justify calling ourselves niggers and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs. That doesn't mean anything. So we have gone from the heights to the lowest depths. And now the challenge for black people is to understand that our mission on the planet is to topple the unjust system of racism and white supremacy. And we are going to do it by manifesting the highest level of black self and group respect that has ever been seen on this planet. Neely Fuller speaks in terms of becoming universal man and universal woman, people fit to be in a universe. Do you see? So my discussion is not about hating white people. We don't have time to hate white people. But we do have time to analyze and understand in depth the system of racism, white supremacy, a system they structured for their genetic survival when they realize that they are a tiny, tiny minority on the planet and that they are genetic recessive and can experience genetic annihilation. And so they structured a system that uh, necessitated global domination and domination of all the people of color, and especially the black people, because black people have the greatest genetic potential, genetic potential, to cause white genetic annihilation. And so now we are, you know, we are understanding that and having great clarity about that. And so now uh, the job is, and this is something that we have complete and total control over, and that is what each individual black person wills to do with his or her behavior. See, the system has programmed us into hating ourselves and hating one another and disrespecting ourselves and disrespecting one another. And uh, allowing the black family to fall apart under the specific pressures of racism, white supremacy. And so we have our work cut out for us. And I believe that, uh, as I said, understanding, see, you can't, racism, white supremacy is like a war against uh, black people. It's war against non-white people, but black people in particular, and black men in particular, because the men are perceived, women cannot impose sexual intercourse, so the men are perceived as the ones who could cause white genetic annihilation. And so the wars against black people in general, black men in particular. And by understanding the exact and specific nature of the war, we can counter it knowing what it is that each single individual needs to do with his or her behavior. And we don't need to think about, we've got to have land someplace. There's land under your feet. And so wherever your feet are planted, take control of that land because your brain is on top of your feet. So what it is you think to do with your thought, speech, and action, 
as a black person is taking control of the territory where you stand and making that black self-respect territory. If you move into another room, you're taking to another place, then you're taking control black self-respect territory. And black self-respect territory is countering racism, white supremacy. And the basic behaviors that Neely Fuller Jr. laid out for us, just basic, simple behavior, he calls them exercises in counter-racism, and I say exercises in black self-respect and black mental health. And uh, those behaviors are stop name-calling one another, stop gossiping about one another, stop squabbling with one another, stop cursing one another, stop snitching on one another for reasons of personal gain, stop being discourteous to one another, stop being disrespectful to one another. Stop stealing from one another. Stop robbing one another. Stop fighting one another. And stop killing one another. See, Neely Fuller wrote this a long time ago. Imagine if black people were codifying their behavior in the awareness of system of racism, white supremacy, and we were saying, oh, no, we don't fight one another. We don't kill one another. We don't squabble with one another. And I add to that list, stop using and selling drugs to one another. Stop black children from thinking that as children they can be adequate mothers and fathers. See, black people need to be in their 30s before they procreate and use those first 30 years to go to school, get as much learning, and developing as many skills as they can possibly develop, but not play with sex and produce children that they can't take care of. And then the system of racism and white supremacy says, I'm going to turn this person into a slave or a criminal. Um, So stop um, black children from thinking that as children they can be adequate mothers and fathers. Stop believing in welfare, believe in prosperity. Stop pretending that racism, white supremacy does not exist. And stop allowing black, brown, red, and yellow people being divided by racism, white supremacy. So I think that uh, black people, instead of, you know, we have a lot of black people who will say, oh, Racism doesn't exist. You know, that's Dr. Francis Wilson always talking about racism and white supremacy. Racism doesn't exist, but racism does exist. And it is the dominant reality uh, in our history for the last 500 years. So instead of pretending that it doesn't exist because it's uncomfortable to talk about and we don't like it, No, you put that uncomfortable reality on top of the table and decide that uh, we are going to understand it and uh, we're going to be experts in understanding it and experts in knowing how to organize our behavior 
to put that system in check and replace it with a system of justice. Justice meaning no one is mistreated. No one is allowed to be mistreated. And those who need the most help get the most help. See, I think all of that is Neely Fuller's thinking, and I think it's profound thought that justice means no one is mistreated, no one is allowed to be mistreated, and those who need the most help get the most help. So I, I think I'm not despondent about whether or not racism, white supremacy will leave the planet. It will leave the planet because black people decide that they are going to step into the position of respecting themselves, valuing themselves second to none, respecting themselves, and reflecting in their behavior black dignity and black pride and black self-respect. And black is beautiful. You know, one of the important phases in our history as a people was the civil rights era. And I encourage people to go and look at the films from that era and look at the dignity of the black people and the respect that they had for themselves that allowed them to go up against the police brutality in that era and go up against fire hoses and police dogs out of their determination. And they came out of that movement talking about black is beautiful, black pride, black dignity, black self-respect. And I say the system of racism said, wow, these people have changed this system. We cannot let this go forward. And the system decided, no, what we're going to do, because they don't really understand what they've accomplished. What we're going to do, because they were talking about black power. Black is beautiful. So what we have to do is shape them in the image that we want them to be in. We want them to sell drugs and be addicted to drugs and cursing one another and fighting with one another and killing one another. And the way that we will shape their behavior is by showing their movies and telling them that the people in the movies are movie stars. And then we can have them emulating the behavior that they see on the screen. And then we will step that up and start putting that in the music, so-called, that they listen to. And we will wage psychological warfare against them. We will have them dancing. They think it's the beat. It will be the beat, but the language that we have going into their brain computers, niggers and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs, and we will be so successful that they will end up destroying themselves. And they will end up portraying themselves in the images that we have given them. And then we'll tell them that they are movie stars and that they are stars on the television and videos. 
and we will tell them that it's an empire series, and the white people will be thinking Planet of the Apes. But they won't know because they want to be accepted by us, and we can only accept them in the degraded images that we set out for them to emulate. So we have to understand all of that and decide we don't have any time for hate and conceive of the situation as, uh, you know, the gigantic chessboard, the white side of the chessboard that is playing offense, defense, because in the game of chess, white always moves first. So white is playing offense, defense. The black side of the chessboard has to play defense, offense. And you can win playing defense, offense on the black side of the board to the extent that you understand the game. And this is what, I say, this is what we are supposed to be doing as black people. No time for hate. But we are going to, each and every one of us, become expert in countering racism, white supremacy, and using the vehicle of black self-respect. See, I'm not talking about people walking around and respecting themselves and not have in-depth understanding and knowledge of the system of racism, white supremacy. No, it's like understanding racism, white supremacy, and using self-respect to counter that. See, if black people are not squabbling with one another and cursing one another and snitching on one another for reasons of personal gain and not being discourteous and disrespectful to one another, see, we can just test it out. You walk into a store, a black person is the clerk, or walk into a bank and a black person is a teller. That black person saying, may I help you? How can I help you today? And doing their maximum to give the other black person all the help in the world instead of the black person thinking, i got to find a white person to help me. This person is being so rude and uh, not coming forth with answers that will help me. So I, I certainly believe that black people can do this. See, it's just like black people mastering uh, playing basketball or mastering playing football. All of those are games of understand the game and be employing tactics and strategies to achieve the goal objectives in the game. Nobody can beat black people doing that. And we are genetically second to none. I mean, if everybody comes from black people, black people cannot be less than anybody that is on this planet. We're the mothers and fathers. So we can't be less, but what has happened to us is we have had 500 years of victimization by racism, white supremacy. 
and um, maybe being miscegenated out of our minds. Uh, you see, because being victimized by white supremacy, black people have begun to hate black and desire to be white. And I think often about the creative force in the universe made black people black. And as long as black people are not respecting themselves as to who they are, I, I hear the creative force saying, I made you black. And you don't want to be black. You want to be white. So don't call on me and ask me for anything. Now, when you start respecting yourselves as I made you, I made you black and you were able to put up pyramids. And so we have to start thinking about all the colors are fine, but most black is most beautiful because that's the parent color. That's the color that the creative force in the universe made us. Black is a superior absorber of energy. Can translate what the energy is communicating, and everything is energy. So I I see the task in front of us as uh, a great challenge to lift ourselves up from the position of degradation that the system of racism, white supremacy, has necessitated that we be in. And uh, I believe that we can lift ourselves up and everybody has a contribution to make. Everybody has to put their brain computers uh, to the task of contributing and solving this problem. And the only people that we need to compete with are the people who are upholding the system of racism, white supremacy. Sometimes black people think they're supposed to be competing with one another as opposed to uh, competing with the system that has sought to destroy us and to put us on a, a path to genocide. But as I said, black people can turn that around if they choose to do so. Ah, uh, Shay. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, caller at 6981. Uh, the caller at 5234. 5234. Did you have a question for Dr. Wellson? You should be with us. Uh, I to you, Gus, and Greetings to Dr. Wilson. Uh, yes, I did have a question. It was in reference to Daniel Holtzclaw. Um, previously, uh, Gus had done an episode regarding Jeffrey Dahmer. And um, in that episode, uh, the, the person who he interviewed discussed the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer told him he had a predatory radar with which he was able to uh, understand who would be the easiest person to victimize, which is how he chose his victims. And uh, I believe Daniel Holtzclaw did the same thing by choosing women who were drug addicts and streetwalkers in order to get away with the crimes that he has done. And I kind of compare him to Jeffrey Dahmer because Mrs. Franklin, who Gus interviewed earlier today, said that she believed the only thing he hadn't done yet was start to kill black women. 
which I, I agree with her. I think that was the next step. So I wanted to know um, what do you think in reference to that comparison of our Daniel Holt score to Jeffrey Dahmer? Okay. I'll have you repeat that. I don't know whether it's my phone or my ears, but repeat that for me, please. Yes, ma'am. Uh, he said that uh, he... He was recalling, uh, it's a white biographer, he wrote about Jeffrey Dahmer, and he said that Jeffrey Dahmer had a predatory radar, meaning that he had a really keen sense for being able to pick out people that he could easily victimize, people that either had already been uh, abused or just folks that he, he knew it would be easier to abuse and terrorize these people. And he was saying that he thinks that that might have been the case for uh, Daniel Holtzclaw, the officer who's been charged with uh, serially raping and terrorizing uh, black females in Oklahoma City. He was saying, uh, do you think it's possible that he had that same type of predatory radar in terms because he was going after black females uh, who were impoverished or who had substance abuse issues? Do you think the same thing might have been happening with uh, Daniel Holtzclaw? Uh, I would say yes, and I would say that, see, black people in our programming under the system of racism and white supremacy, a critical dimension of the programming is to teach black people, brainwash black people, and to tell black people that God is white. See, if black people are given an image of the Son of God as a white man, then God in the brain computer has to be white. And this is very, very deep programming uh, of a people who were for hundreds of years enslaved and beaten and raped and whipped and mutilated during that period of enslavement. See, that wasn't going on for 12 years as the Holocaust of Semites. No, this was hundreds of years of whipping and beating and mutilating black people and then telling those people, now this is who you should pray to, pray to my image. I'm a white person, now pray to my image. And the white image is going to save you and protect you. So now to the extent that black and non-white people were victimized by white people, and this is happening 24-7, total victimization by people who classify themselves as white, and I say a critical card in the brain computer, is that God is white. And black people are taught, slave, obey your master, turn the other cheek, and you'll get your reward in heaven. So to the extent that black people have internalized this message consciously and or subconsciously, then they are vulnerable to seduction. And we can see it quite clearly in the June 17, 2015 incident that took place in the church in Charleston, South Carolina. You see where a black, historic black church, historic in the history of opposing racism, white supremacy, 
and the minister in that church who was also a state senator, and those other black people, nine people, six women and three men. And a white male came and sat amongst them. And I would suggest that those nine black people consciously saw, subconsciously saw this white male as the Son of God, the image of the Son of God. You see, when a white person comes to a black setting, black people, for the most part, are joyous. Comes to a black church, the black people invite the person down to the first row to sit in front. I'm so glad you have come to be amongst us. And so um, Dylan Storm Roof understood that about black people. And he said, I'm going in this church, and I'm going to sit and pray with them. And they will be totally unsuspecting. And I'm going to sit with them for an hour, and I'll talk and pray with them. And then I'm going to get up and kill them. And to top it off, a black person who was a member of the family of a person killed, said, I forgive. So this is how deep and insidious the programming of racism, white supremacy has been on the minds and thinking of black people and to the extent that black people have internalized that image of God as white you can say in a similar way they have internalized black self-hatred. And so even though we haven't been accustomed to thinking about it in these ways, in this way, we have to begin thinking about it. And as I said, it's not about hating white people. But it's about finally understanding racism, white supremacy, and uh, as most people are aware, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois in 1903 in his book, Souls of Black Folks, see, just immersing ourselves in our history and the thinking of different black people who have had something to say about our situation, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois the problem of the 20th century is a question of the color line between the lighter and the darker races of mankind. Translate the problem of the 20th and the 21st just like the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century is the question of the color line. See, it would have to be that way because if people who classify themselves as white were to ignore the color line. You know, people talk about colorblind. If people were going around not focusing on skin color and they were just blending together, white would disappear. And so white people, I've asked groups of white people, do you want your children to be colored? Do you want your grandchildren to be colored? Do you want your great-grandchildren 
great, 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 great grandchildren to be colored. I'm polite and they're polite. What do they say? No. They want to remain white. And so I simply say, if you mean that, then you have to do certain specific things in economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war to maintain or to make certain that there is genetic survival on a planet where the overwhelming majority of people are black, brown, red, and yellow, and all of those people are genetically dominant in terms of skin coloration compared to genetic recessive white skinned people. It's just like President Obama's mother was white, his father was a black man. Black is genetically dominant. So if all the people, as, as Dr. Martin Luther King wanted everybody to love, well, if people loved and didn't pay attention to color, white would disappear. So this is why people who classify themselves as white cannot function without paying attention to the skin color of the majority of the people on the planet. And black people learn, all people of color who have been in contact with white people learn in one way or another, if you're black, get back, brown, stick around, yellow, mellow, white, right. Because that's the color code for white genetic survival. The people who have the most genetically determined power to cause white genetic annihilation are black people. So all of this, in other words, if Abraham Lincoln had emancipated the slaves, enslaved Africans, and said, now everybody is going to be a social equal. And from henceforth, nobody's going to pay attention to color. White people will have disappeared. White people do not want to disappear. And so they have to attack the people who can cause their genetic annihilation not out of hatred, even just out of love and sexual activity. So if we begin to understand that and understand the, the meaning of that and understand how, as a result of that dynamic, black people have been robbed of their self-respect, self and group respect, you see, and that has been annihilated completely, and so we have to be in the business of of restoring it. I hope I haven't strayed too far afield. <laughs> Not at all. Roz, did that answer your question, sir? Yes, it did. Thank you so much. I was honored to hear you speak tonight, and I'll meet my line. Right on. Uh, my bad for the folks. I think some people that were listening online, uh, the stream wasn't working correctly or what have you. If you just refresh uh, for the people that are listening online, it should be uh, working. Not sure what the issue was, but it should be working. And folks on the phone, you you should have been good all the time. Uh, the the person that dialed in at eight five three six eight five three six. Did you have a question for Doctor Welsing? Caller. 
Caller at 8536, did you have a question or are you just listening in? Make sure you didn't hit your mute line. Uh, last check. Call. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Good evening to the callers. Good evening, Dr. Welsing. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I want to say on one note, I do believe the things you have said may have resonated with the actor, rapper, movie star. He normally called Bow Wow. He is now referring to himself as Shad Moss. He has stopped calling himself Bow Wow. You say he has stopped calling himself Bow Wow? Yes, he no longer refers himself as Bow Wow. He goes by his birth name, Shad Moss. I see, okay. Yes. Now, my question... When, how do you counter people saying when, when we discuss programs like how to get away with murder, scandal, Empire, House of Lies, etc., on their negativity, you have people say, well, look, Viola Davis became the first black woman to win an Emmy for a primetime TV show. Empire was the show in the last 10 years to increase its ratings every week. How do you deal with that when people say things like that as opposed to understanding the negativity of these programs? See, I would say first and foremost that they don't have a clue. They don't have any understanding whatsoever of the system of racism, white supremacy. And the system itself has everything to do with that because the one thing that is not allowed to be discussed in the media is racism, white supremacy. I mean, from time to time you'll have something come up oh, we're going to talk about racism, and then they will have a program and they run four or five black people talking about racism and they don't have understanding of what the system of racism is about, and then the discussion is closed. You see, if not the people who classify themselves as white, if a black person attempts to bring up racism, then they say you're playing the race card you know, we're not going to have that. So I would say the vast majority of black people at this point in time simply do not understand racism, white supremacy. And they might say it's not about black power, it's about green power. And the system of racism, white supremacy, makes certain that uh, black people are relatively well remunerated for what they do so that they will be blinded by the money and they will say racism doesn't have anything to do with it because they don't understand racism as a total system. And so that's all that is, is 
you know, we're just like little babies. You can give a little baby that is trusting and wanting to believe that you like it. You can give that little baby some rat poison and tell them to eat it. And the little baby eats it because the little baby is thinking that you are kind because your words are smooth and encouraging. And that's the situation that we as black people are in. And so I just say there's no understanding. And there needs to be understanding. And, the, you know, I would encourage every black person who is in media to study the history of Nazi Germany because Adolf Hitler understood the importance of propaganda to shape and mold the way that people think. And so Hitler knew through his propaganda minister, um, Goebbels, that uh, we have to keep in the public's mind negative images of black of Jewish people. They didn't have TV, but they had movies and magazines and newspapers. And keep negative images of Jewish people in front of the German population. Because after they internalize enough of those negative images, they will go along with killing those people. And Hitler had a term uh, in German, the term Tiermensch, T-I-E-R-M-E-N-S-C-H, two words, Tiermensch. Animal, people, subhumans. They also had terminology, life unworthy of life. And I've asked people, I've asked audiences of people, take all of the images in empire and just say, if you were a white person and you had a big company, which one of the characters would you hire to work in your company? And most people say none. See, we don't know because we don't understand the system. We don't understand people who classify themselves as white. We don't understand what their ultimate goal objective is. And so we don't know when people are laughing with us versus laughing at us. We don't have a clue. And so somebody, just like the little baby that is given rat poison. See, all of these, all of these images... If we really had any deep level of respect of ourselves as black people in a critical mass of black self-respect, none of those images would be seen. And see, Jewish people have learned they don't allow 
any negative images or any negative language about them to appear in media because they understood after the fact, after they lost six million people, which was then one-third of their world population, they understood what those negative presentations can do and how they can be used and manipulated. See, just take take any film, take, you know, they've got, you know, what there's a film out about Af- African young children who were being used in the war, Beast of No Nations, Beast. Beast. See, you know, black people, oh, look at the black people in the movies. Beast. What did Hitler use the word tear meant? Tears animal. In German. T I E R, animal. And we're being called beast and we don't even get it. Wow, you are you are so correct on that. Thing that just made me think of the how the youngest black actress, little nine year old Kavanjane Wallace, I hope that's how you pronounce her name, that was what she got her Oscar nomination for. Beast of the Southern Wind. What's the title again? Because oh, I'm not even Beast, Beast of, of the a... Southern Wind. Southern Wind. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? We don't exactly. get it. See, in, P- okay. in other words, see, this is about the genocide of black people. The genocide of us. See, it's like I, I maintain that Black people started calling themselves dogs and bitches. A bitch is a female dog. Subconsciously because what? White people say the dog is man's best friend. So black people wanted subconsciously, consciously to be white people's best friend. So they end up calling themselves dog, my walking dog, my bitch, my bow wow. See, it's like black people are being put out of the urban centers, just like the Jews were put out of the urban centers. And white people are replacing black people and they want to build dog parks. No housing for black people, but parks so that dogs can frolic and get to know one another. See, again, this is not about hating white people. It's like as serious as sitting down at a chessboard. 
and knowing that you have to understand the game. See, but it's like, think about for 500 years, we have been under one phase of the system of racism, white supremacy, or another. See, if they call it slavery, then you think that's different than um, the era of police brutality or lynching. No, it's all racism, white supremacy, just different names being given. Now gentrification. We think that's something different. No, it's all racism, white supremacy. And I encourage people to see the video called WANSEE, W-A-N-N-S-E-E, WANSEE Conference. And it was a conference held in a suburb outside of Berlin where the Nazi leadership talked about uh, how they are going to kill 11 million Semites of the Jewish religion. And as Hitler said, I'm not interested in religion. I'm killing them because they're not white. And so, you know, in a suburban uh, villa, the leadership sat and planned how they were going to conduct it. So just like, make no mistake. When people sit down, well, we are getting rid of black people from the urban centers. And so we're going to build expensive condominiums that they cannot afford to rent or buy. And there will be no place for moderate or low-income housing. And we were pushing them to the Bantu stands out in the suburbs where they're not going to have jobs or amenities or anything else. It's just like Hitler did the people of color, including Semites of the Jewish religion in Germany. So the question is, is the United States becoming the new Germany? Is Washington, D.C. becoming the new Berlin? And are the white people here the new Germans and the black people the new Jews? Because we are being relocated. And I say Washington, D.C. is critical because the first black president is sitting right down the street from where I am talking this minute, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and I'm right on 16th Street, Northwest Washington. We got a black president. We have a black mayor. And both are sitting as black people are being removed from Washington, D.C. One of the white newspaper columns wrote, 
how uncomfortable, how difficult it is for black people now living in the District of Columbia. This is a white female columnist writing in the Washington Post and talking about the attitudes of whites towards the black people. And see, this is happening right with a black president and a black female as mayor of the city. And I say what happens in Washington, D.C. is telling us a lot. It's sort of like the canary in the mines. If we dare to try to understand racism, white supremacy, which is what the Attorney General said, are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about racism? So this columnist said, it, you know, Washington used to be called Chocolate City. And now it's Latte City. I call it Vanilla Ice. This is the nation's capital. This is the so-called capital of the free world. An alarming rate of homicide and killing of black people, closing of schools, and the removal of people from the city. So if black people, you know, would wake up Not thinking that, oh, well, surely, see, black people are asked to vote and hope. Don't place any demands, vote and hope. My demand to Hillary Clinton, anybody else who wants a black vote, if you want the black vote, number one, acknowledge the existence of a system of racism, white supremacy. Number two, there needs to be full employment of black males so that they can play the role of husband and father. And if they can't, then that is a continuation of the destruction of the black family. But there first has to be the acknowledgement that black people are actually living in a system of racism, white supremacy. That is not an accident. It is a system for white genetic survival. And as long as we don't talk about it, we're covering it up. And the system has forbidden all of the so-called black organizations, NAACP, Urban League, National Action Network. If you want white support, then you better not talk about racism. Now, you can talk about uh, there's been another shooting but you can't talk about why. That is, you can't talk about Thank it and get enough time. money to run your convention the next year. 
did that answer your question, M1? Uh, yes, it did. I appreciate everything he had to say. Right on. Uh, caller at one five three six one five three six. Did you have a question for Dr. Wilson? You should be with us. One five three six. Peace, Gus, and hello to the elder. Hello, uh, Miss Welsing. Thank you very much for everything you have done. I know you do not know me, but you have had a profound impact on uh, on my development of black self-respect and in really seeing white supremacy uh, around me and operating through me and through the people who I interact with. So I want to definitely thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this. In the New York Times, at the beginning of October, on October 12th and 13th, they ran two very large articles on the mental condition of Africans who are suffering from various, various uh, mental illnesses. One was titled The Chains of Mental Illness in West Africa, and the other one was A Mission to Heal Mind. Did you happen to catch both of no, those articles? No, I did not. No, I'm, I didn't see it, and I'm glad to, to mention it. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They are, um, what they don't say is, well, you probably could already imagine, but um, I wanted to mention those in case you hadn't um, saw those. And there was one more article on October 9th, 2015, Scientists Recover First Genome of Ancient Human from Africa. Uh, that was also another one which uh, I thought you might find interesting. Um, my question for you is what are some maybe four or five practical things that we as black people um, can do to encourage black self-respect in young people and, well, just in black people in general, because I don't know about other people, but I, when I'm encountering and I'm speaking to younger black people, they are really put off by me because I am very, I demand dignity from them, and they don't know how to respond to that. So what are some practical things that I could use um, to kind of help me with dealing with that? Thank you very much, and I'll meet my line. See, I would say very, very, very gently and certainly very gently with young people um, because um, young people are not responsible for what they don't understand. Young people are brought in the world by people who are older than themselves. And if the people who bring them in the world are unaware of the world and don't know what to teach the offspring, it's not the offspring part. So anytime you're working with children and young people, be very, very gentle and kind at the same time that 
you are demanding from them their very best and helping them understand like it's not your fault that a war is being waged against you or that there is a deliberate attempt to make you less than what you really were put on this planet to be. And so I'm going to help you. I'm going to teach you the behavior codes of black self-respect and black mental health. And by engaging in these behaviors, you will push back the system that is intent on destroying you. And I mentioned the behaviors a little while ago from the work of Neely Fuller. These are basic behaviors that seem very simple, but they are profound in terms of how people think about themselves and relate to other people who look like themselves. And so the behaviors are stop name-calling one another, stop gossiping, about one another, stop cursing one another, stop squabbling with one another, stop snitching on one another for reasons of personal gain, stop being discourteous to one another, stop being disrespectful to one another, stop stealing from one another, stop robbing one another, stop fighting one another, and stop killing one another. And so you say these are things that we are going to work on because it will help us become a stronger, self-respecting people. And I add to that list, stop making black children think that as children they can be mothers and fathers. I used to say, you know, people will say that a bird has a tiny brain people would sometimes call another person, oh, that person is a bird brain. And I say, at least the bird has enough knowledge and wisdom to know that it has to build a nest before it lays an egg. That's what the tiny, 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 tiny bird brain understands, that I have to be able to build a nest before I lay an egg. And the system of racism, white supremacy, can make people become sex-obsessed. If people, if children have parents who can't meet their emotional needs, then children will become prematurely interested in sexual activity. And that's not to mention the influence of all the sexual activity that one can encounter on the Internet in the system of racism white supremacy, the degrading of sex, etc. But, okay, I want to get back to uh, stop letting black children think that as children they can be adequate mothers and fathers. Stop using and selling drugs to one another. Stop pretending that racism, white supremacy does not exist. Stop believing in welfare, believe in prosperity. Stop throwing down trash. This is a very important one. Stop throwing down trash where black people live, work, and play. And stop allowing racism, white supremacy, causing division amongst black brown.
many other people. So I hope the person is still listening. Those behaviors, and I encourage you to get the work of Neely Fuller Jr. And his website is, I believe, producingjustice.com. But um, teaching those behaviors with uh, firm gentleness and um, a lot of self-respect. We have been deeply traumatized. All black people can uh, appropriately have the diagnosis of post and continuous traumatic stress because racism, white supremacy is 24-7 stress on black people times 365 times the number of years that a person has lived. Uh, as long as the system of racism and white supremacy exists because it's stressed because it's a form of warfare and destruction. We have to recognize it as such and develop and build enough self-respect and self-regard to push the system back and be determined to replace it with a system of justice. Uh, so there can be peace on the planet. But first and foremost, justice. It's replace it with a system of justice, meaning no one is mistreated, no one is allowed to be mistreated, and those who need the most help get the most help. Thank you very much for your response. Um, this was amazing. Uh, earlier when you mentioned the mission which we as black people have, um, it touched me in a way because I feel that. And I also feel that a lot of what you said tonight, um, people should honestly listen to this particular broadcast because it's an emergency call. Um, I'm watching a lot of the problems in society multiply and get worse. And I don't know about other people, but in the area where I live, white fear has really ratcheted up recently. And um, it, it concerns me very much, very much. So I do, uh, I, I do think we need to start answering that mission, as you said. So um, thank you very much, and um, have a good night. Mm, thank you. See, I do think that black people need to talk about, excuse me, what racism, white supremacy is for our welfare. And people who classify themselves as white, they have very little conscious insight into their own behavior. And they don't want to. It's like, you know, refusing to look in the mirror and see who they really are and how they are actually functioning. And so black people need to talk with assuredness and certainty about our understanding of what racism, white supremacy is, and uh, hopefully people who classify themselves as white, that at least some of them will begin to gain insight and to stop others in their group from doing some of the things that they're doing because 
the system has reached a point where uh, it actually, if you take the whole global situation, you can see that the system of racism, white supremacy, is engaging in mass murder on the planet. And so sometimes when a white young person picks up a gun and goes into a white movie theater or a white school and starts shooting up everybody, it's because this is the methodology that the system itself is laying out and impacting the thinking of its own young people. Do you see, but what will happen? Oh, the person must be mentally ill. No, the person has been programmed by the system of racism, white supremacy, that is engaging in mass murder on the planet. Because that's the only way it conceives of white genetic survival. It has to have all the oil, all of the minerals, and if people happen to be on that land, then they just have to be killed or run off. And uh, in psychiatry, we say make that which is subconscious conscious so people can begin to take responsibility for their behavior. But if the victims, if the chief victims of racism and white supremacy, that's who we are as black people. If we refuse ourselves to talk about it because we lack a sufficient level of self-respect and we want to be loved by white people. And so if they don't want racism talked about, then we don't talk about it, as opposed to learning how to love and value ourselves second to none and deciding that people who respect themselves have to speak truth and they have to speak truth See, not, we don't have to curse white people out and yell and scream and call them names. No, we just have to be assured that we understand racism, white supremacy, and that we will talk about it. We will talk about how it has deformed our behavior and how we are determined to correct the deformity in our behavior so that we are who we are supposed to be on this planet as the parent people. Again, I can't stress enough. We are the parent people on the planet. The mothers and fathers of everybody, including the mutants, the mutations to albinism, and those are the people with white skin. So... You know, our determination that we are going to correct ourselves. It's just like every child psychiatrist knows that many times children are out of control in the house because the parents have lost their way and not, you know, stopped understanding or never understood how they are supposed to conduct themselves as head of the house. And, you know, we have lost our way, and, you know, that's a tragedy, but it's not a crime. And it can, it's something that can be corrected if we will to do so.
Ashe. Ashe. Uh, see, we had a couple other folks that had dialed in. We didn't want to take up your whole evening. Uh, did you have time to nab a few other folks? If not, that's totally fine as well. But uh, definitely. Yeah, a couple, a, a couple of others. <laughs> okay. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that then. The caller at uh, four six nine three four six nine three. Did you have a question for Doctor Wilson? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, my name is um, Brandon. I'm a longtime listener. I used to call the number three five five seven. I have a question um, for Doctor Francis Chris Wilson. Um, on a job, I've been subjugated to white harassment which involved me and another white woman. I go by a code of conduct when it comes to dealing with white folks. And uh, I minimize my contact with them. I don't speak to them. And the company that I work for does service for the hotel that she just so happened to um, work for. And um, when she tried to speak to me, um, I would ignore her. And I wouldn't talk to her or anything. And... I would just um, grab the papers and go on with my day. And I've noticed that, you know, there are consequences when it comes to ignoring white women on the job. And um, it got, I got um, news from the um, VP of the hotel that they had um, contacted my manager saying that um, I was harassing her because I was ignoring her. I wasn't um, following proper job procedures or anything like that. And what I've noticed is that um, when I was outside of my booth, she tried to come speak to me again, and I just kept ignoring her. I wasn't talking to her or anything like that. And um, Her boyfriend her boyfriend said, hey, black effer, like, hey, black mother effer. Like, you know, I think that was his way of trying to get my attention. So I laughed, and I continued on ignoring him, and um, also her. And I noticed how he went on the inside of the hotel and tried to pick a fight with my black coworker, who was just so happened to be African at the front desk. So they called security on him. And um, she got frustrated, and she told me, well, you should be happy a woman of my status is trying to speak to you anyway. Um. I have a question. Um, is there anything that I did wrong? Is there another way I should have handled the situation? Um, do you have any um, input on it? I would just suggest, and, and correct me if I didn't hear you totally. Do see, I think that start out in terms of attempting to be courteous and respectful at all times. You know, to the extent it's that hard it though. It's very uh, hard, you know. See, sometimes white females want to insist that a black male give them attention, and they are. And I'm not saying give the female any attention beyond being professional and polite. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. you may have to give, uh, you know, sit down with your manager and say uh, the person is being demanding or that I relate to them. Are there guidelines that you would like to give me about 
how I can conduct myself in a professional way. Do you see, I, I, I don't date people on the job if that is what the issue is. But sometimes they can be very provoking. I had a situation where a young black man um, in Boston, he was working in a, Senator Kennedy's office, and a white female would constantly come by his desk and touch him. And he said, Dr. Welsing, how should I handle it? And I said, you can say that, you know, really this is sexual harassment. And her response was, who are you going to tell? Who will they believe, you or me? Do you see what I'm saying? So that whole thing of trying to, whether she's trying to get her white boyfriend to have a response, that I will protect you from this black monster, you see. But I would start out saying in the workplace, you know, try to have uh, conduct that is professional in relationship to other co-workers. In other words, you may have an idea about what racism, white supremacy is, but in terms of your performing in your work setting, you know, so then I'm going to be rude and disrespectful. I would say uh, don't use that approach if you can, you know, be polite and courteous, but uh, that doesn't mean, you know, laughing and grinning and, uh, you know, well, don't you date? Don't, you know, a number of black males have said, white females have said to them, oh, you're not interested in white females? Or don't you date white females? Uh, do you see where the person is honest and they might answer, no, I do not. Thank you very much. No, I do not. Do you see? But if somebody is attempting to be provocative, you may have to resort to uh, speaking to a supervisor. Uh, please tell me how... Uh, I can handle this situation. You see, I am being polite and courteous and doing my job in relationship to this person, but I I would prefer to not have all of this extra attention. Does that make any sense to you? That makes perfect sense. Um. I also want to add is that I completely, I mean, I completely appreciate all the things that you've done throughout the years, and I consider you Neely Fuller's, Mr. Neely Fuller's partner in justice, and um, I just want, I just appreciate everything that you've done, but um, before I um, get muted, what do you think about the cop who raped those black women? I don't necessarily know his name, but I was just wondering what you think about that. Well, see, this has been the historic relationship of white males to black females in the system of racism. I mean, hundreds of years. See, we were not enslaved for 10 years. We were enslaved for hundreds of years. And there are, unfortunately, uh, a number of black females who are encouraged to 
relate in this way to white males. And if you just look at one episode of Scandal, you see where you have a black female rolling around in bed with multiple white men. See, this is where people make a mistake thinking that, oh, we're just one big happy country where everybody is the same. This is not true. So if a white male is looking at scandal and then he goes and says something that maybe a black female doesn't want to hear, you say, well, where did he get that idea from? Well, how are we presenting ourselves? How are we presenting ourselves when we don't understand system of racism, white supremacy, that insists on presenting us in a particular way? See, the system is not going to stop doing whatever is necessary. It's like the system is not going to stop trying to present black males in the form that they need the black male to be. And right now they need the black male to be effeminized. You see, if the black male is moved along the continuum to being a female, this is why, you know, there's been an insistence that if a black male is going to be in a movie, he needs to put on a dress. Because to the extent that black males are feminized and they do not present a threat to white genetic annihilation. But they are, you know, in uh, lockstep with their own genocide. So we we just we just have to become knowledgeable about system of racism, white supremacy, like Neely Fuller says, if you do not understand white supremacy racism, what it is and exactly how it works, everything else that you think you understand will only confuse you. And this is absolutely true. So you always have to understand the context in which events are taking place. The context is the controlling power factor that has everything to do with what is taking place inside of that power context. See, but I have, uh, I'm not despondent at all, and I think if we follow the African proverb, each one teach one. See, we don't have any difficulty as black people. If a new dance step comes along, that dance step will move from the East Coast to the West Coast or from the West Coast to the East Coast in a matter of days. We never have to say, how are we going to make certain that every black person understands the new dance step? Because we put our arms around each other and teach, make certain that each person learns the new dance step. Well, understanding uh, racism, white supremacy, is a trillion times more important than any dance step that anyone can conceive of and think about. 
because it has to do with uh, our future as a people. And so we have to follow the African proverb, each one teach one. Ashe. All right. Appreciate that, Brandon. Last caller, last caller, uh, our caller in Michigan, and she has consistently been so helpful in helping to uh, fax documents to Dr. Welsing uh, down through the years. Definitely appreciate her help and uh, glad to get her in as well. Uh, caller in Michigan, did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Good evening, Mabby Hurt. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Good evening, Dr. Welsing, and to the um, listeners and callers, I have a quick question. Um, I am wondering your thoughts on, um, I've seen individuals who are desirous of boycotting uh, Black Friday and Christmas. Um, I don't, I'm very mindful when I, where I spend my dollars, but I'm just wondering what are your thoughts. I don't necessarily celebrate the holidays at all, but uh, I see that that is something that um, black people are trying to organize and do. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on that, and I do have another question, a quick question after that. Okay, I would just uh, say whosoever will, as an act of resistance, racism, white supremacy, that um, the individual person who feels, well, I'm going to make a statement about I am aware of, racism, white supremacy, or Black Lives Matter, or uh, I don't like some of the things that are taking place in the system of racism, white supremacy. So one of the things that I'm going to do is to ignore holiday spending. Do you see? So uh, it's up to uh, each individual. Uh, I'm following that. But, again, it's up to each individual to make up their mind. It's just like it's up to each individual whether I will gossip or continue to gossip or continue to curse, <laughs> continue to name call, et cetera. Do, do you see what I'm saying? But um, I look at it as one of the many forms of resistance to the system of racism, white supremacy. And I think it will be felt. Okay, thanks. Um, And my next question is, can you just elaborate on why um, you suggest the no throwing the trash and um, no snitching? I've heard you say that several times. But if you could elaborate more on why, it will help me and explaining it to other individuals, um, just, you know, from your perspective. And thanks for taking my call. I'll mute myself and listen. Uh, Let me respond in this way. In other words, um, there are areas of the city and neighborhoods that you can drive through or walk through, and you see everything is well-maintained, and there's no garbage, and there's no trash on the street. And then there are other neighborhoods that you can go into, and there might be anything from chicken bones to trash and paper all around, you see. And people really reflect 
in their surroundings what they think about themselves, even though they're not consciously aware of that. And if a, people have been programmed to be trash, and trash is ultimately incinerated, do you see, so that they will have their environment reflect what they're thinking about themselves. It's like somebody can have a, a new building and everything, the walls are newly painted and everything, and if people begin to occupy the building and they don't think well of themselves, then they will start marking on the walls because their brain computer is saying, you don't deserve to be in a place where the walls are clean. You don't deserve, see, this is at a subconscious level. And, you know, the system of racism, white supremacy, what does it think of us as black people? What does it try to make us about ourselves? You see that we are less than the best and that we are trash. And the sooner we get removed, the better. That's what gentrification is all about. See, people write books about the gentrified urban areas that are supposed to be for intelligent and creative people. So what is it saying about us as black people as efforts are made to move black people out of the urban centers? See, this is necessary, racism, white supremacy, necessary think. They are trash. And we can structure their environment so they will prove to the world that they're trash. But once black people begin to understand that and say, wow, wait a minute. We didn't understand racism. We don't know how it's structured and we don't know what its intention was. But now that we understand, watch us. Outstanding, <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. Um, I don't. Was, does that include the no snitching as well? I think because she she, uh, she said about just explaining why you recommend us not throwing trash down where black people live, and then the not snitching on other black people. Is that included there too? Wait a minute. Say that again. She said uh, just to get your perspective. She wanted on the why uh, black people should not throw trash down where other black people live and work, and you did a brilliant job explaining that. I was just saying. Uh, the no snitching part. She said she'd heard you say that a lot too, that black people uh, should not snitch on other black people to whites for reasons of personal gain. Uh, why Why should we do that? Why is that something you would encourage? Well, because again, it's, you know, it's a form of harming another black person. See, we have to recognize uh, programming, you know, you harm other black people. If you're black, then harm black people. Now, don't do anything about the system of racism and white supremacy. Your job is to harm other black people so that black people will be in a cycle 
of self-destruction. Destroy themselves, destroy one another. That's the way you make a people weak and vulnerable. This is insane. So, uh, snitching for reasons of personal gain. That's maybe different than telling the truth when required to do so. See, black people are attacked for not snitching on one another. And police departments have a rule that they don't snitch on one another. Mm-hmm. So black people should think about not snitching on one another for reasons of personal gain. See, sometimes you have a black person on a job who will go... Their job is to go and report to the white people, did you know that so-and-so just bought a new car? Did you know what so-and-so is doing at home? And the white person says, oh, I'm, I'm going to put you up for promotion. Or on the slave plant, do you see one enslaved African goes to the slave master and says, Master... Francis is getting ready to run away. And the slave master says, thank you for telling on Francis. I'm going to give you an extra piece of fat back for that. See, a long time ago, 1954, I was going to Mexico to a camp with three other, I was in college and three white students. And so we were driving and traveling through the South. None of us had, you know, lived in the South before. We were traveling through and thought we could eat at a black restaurant, but not at a white restaurant. So we were in the black community, and we went in this black restaurant, and black people started gathering around the window and looking in, at this one black person with these three white people eating. And so pretty soon the police came. See, we were innocent. We thought that we couldn't eat in the white community because of segregation, but we could eat and we thought we could eat in a black restaurant. And so the policeman came and big tall white policeman came and stood by me. I was seated at the Outside, we were in a booth, and I was in the outside seat. And so the police officer said, are you an American Negro? And I said, yes. And then he said, well, you are coming out, you know, like you're under arrest. And then he said, I want you to know one of your own people turned you in. I just want you to know that one of your own people turned you in. I just wanted you to know one of your own people turned you in. See, this is why certain black people are very helpful to the system of racism, white supremacy. And the tests that white people 
before they select a black person, they vet whether or not the black person is willing to hurt other black people to get favors from the white person. Are they willing to hurt other black people? If so, then they will be a very useful tool to maintaining the system of racism, white supremacy. That's the way that the white people talk amongst themselves. Because they understand exactly what it takes as a minority to maintain power over majority. You see, there always has to be an extra little piece of fat back promise to the one that says Massa. Francis is out there talking about racism, white supremacy. Phenomenal, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing. Always a privilege to have her uh, visit us on the program. Uh, we had a listener. He was uh, tuning in from the UK. He stayed up past midnight to listen to the live program. Just as you exit, he was just curious if you had seen any of the hubbub about Rachel Dozel this week. She was back in the news and did an interview and admitted that she identified as white uh, in her life, but you know said she Who is was. This? Rachel Dozel, this was the woman up here in Washington State where she was working with the NAACP, uh, and she was born white, but she had been passing herself off as black, passing as black, uh, and then all that came up, I think, right around the same time as the uh, shooting at uh, Emanuel AME Church in June. Uh, do you remember, you know what I'm talking about, Rachel? Did, was, yes, I okay. remember that case. Okay. My answer to that is that when I saw the picture of the mother, the mother looked like she might be a black person passing as white. And so I just think if the mother and the father would do genetic testing, then we could understand uh, why the daughter has confusion about racial identity. So I would start with the mother, uh, you know, asking if she would... Uh, submit to genetic testing because there is some confusion in that family about who's white and who's not white and sometimes that happens when a black person uh, you know moves from the east coast to the west coast to get as far away from the black family as possible because now I'm going to pass for white and so if there's any of that thinking at any level going on in the family, it might help to explain. So I would just want to, you know, to ask the mother of this young woman uh, to submit to genetic testing and let's find out what's going on, as well as the father. Mm. Author of the ISIS papers. And if there's a refusal to do genetic testing... As far as I'm concerned, that would be the answer. <laughs> wow. Third-generation physician, general and child psychiatrist, Dr. Francis Cress-Welsing. Uh, again, and speaking for listeners all over the world, 
Uh, we are just so grateful uh, that you hung out and have continued, and, and not just us, so many different people where you are so generous with your time and expertise to share your views and just try to encourage us to uh, continue to not be discouraged, uh, to increase our black self-respect, uh, and to remain on our assignment replacing white supremacy with justice it has just been a treat uh to listen to you this evening uh, i wish you the best health and hope that you continue your uh, immensely important work and we just will be looking forward to the next time that we can uh, hear some of your wisdom again dr welsing well thank you for inviting me thank the listeners for sharing and participating but i really commend you because we don't have as many outlets as we need uh, where people are trying to talk about serious topics. They may not all agree, and that's okay, but you are definitely making a major contribution uh, to our work that we have to do as black people, having all the different speakers that you have come on your show. And so I thank you for being there. On your coattails, Dr. Welsing. Thank you. And as I said, we'll be listening out to I Hear You Again soon and, and just wish you the best of health. Uh, continue doing the outstanding work, and uh, we'll hope to talk to you soon, Dr. Welsing. Okay, thank you. Good and night. Mm-hmm. Good evening, Dr. Welsing. Context of white supremacy. Uh, hope it was constructive. I know some of the folks, uh, again, they had some difficulties with the uh, live stream. Uh, but that should have been working. I uh, don't know what the issue was, but it should have been taken care of uh, a while ago. And uh, hopefully that won't be anything recurring. Uh, the archive should be pristine. Uh, I didn't see any, any issues with the recording or what have you. So if you uh, missed any portion, the uh, MP3 should be available within an hour or so. It normally takes about that long for it to uh, upload and be available. So just check back. I'll post it on Facebook and everything so you can check it out. You can hear the uh, entirety of the program. We should be back in 48 hours. Uh, Gary Rivlin, I'm super excited. A white man on the program, racist suspect. Uh, he is the author of Katrina After the Flood. For people who've been listening on the book, uh, the book study session that we've been doing, that's the book that we've been reading. It's on the, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, it looks at 10 years of the recovery from Hurricane uh, Katrina. Lots of information and white supremacy racism is at the center. Uh, unfortunately, I would have to say thus far, it is the best book that I've read on Katrina. Uh, and he does a consistent job. I think listeners can uh, vouch. They can let you know if I'm being accurate or not. But I think he does a consistent job of keeping racism, white supremacy at the center of the text uh, in the horrible, disgraceful response to the storm. And then the 10 years uh, in terms of where we are right now with 100,000 fewer black people in New Orleans and black people, even the black people that are there, uh, they're making less money than they were 10 years ago. I mean, it's just, it's horrible all the way around. And the fingerprints of racist man and racist woman are all over it. But Mr. Rivlin will be with us on Tuesday. Very much looking forward to that broadcast. Uh, Dr. Tommy Curry should be with us the following day on Wednesday. So we're remaining active. If you have any confusion, problems, uh, if you can't find something in the archives, or if you have a suggestion, just drop an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com and uh, I can respond I'll get at you if you don't hear anything feel free don't be bashful just drop another email and uh, I will do my best to respond uh, as soon as possible uh, with that we are listener supported invest if you think the program is constructive the blog is racism 
racism-notes.blogspot.com. That address again, racism-notes.blogspot.com. PayPal button is in the top right corner. If you're not into PayPal, drop me an email and I will get you a physical mailing address. A uh, huge thanks to all the folks who have invested and supported and shared the program uh, down through the years. I hope it has been helpful uh, for black people, non-white people to get a better understanding of what racism is, how it works, what does it mean to be white. With that, really enjoyed hearing from Dr. Welsing and uh, hope folks will use that information, apply it uh, so that we can all make better decisions that help us get closer to solving this problem permanently. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Remain safe. Uh, move forward. I know folks are going on the plantation this week. Be safe. Take notes. Be on high alert. Uh, expect anything. Uh, if you are a black person, especially in the system of white supremacy, even got some workplace racism uh, tidbits in the conversation this week. Uh, with that, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. If you're going to be in the vehicle as a driver, as a passenger, even if you're going to be a pedestrian, sobriety would be best. Uh, you do not want to bump into a Daniel Holtzclaw or a Danielle Holtzclaw uh, when you're not in your right mind, when you're not able to think clearly and make the best possible decisions uh, to protect yourself and any other black people that you might be responsible for. Uh, and buckle up. That's another one I recommend all the time. Let's try to do everything that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers enforcement officials. Uh, with that, I'll see if I can uh, do Dr. Frances Cress Welsing's. Uh, she has a pledge at the end of the book. I will read that to wrap us up. Uh, wrap us up. This is uh, a black oath, a pledge of allegiance for black people. I pledge allegiance to my own black self-respect and to the respect of all other black people on planet Earth of whom are victims of the system of white supremacy, all of whom are victims of the system of white supremacy. And I pledge to use all of my life energy, intelligence, and creativity in all areas of people activity to eliminate the global system of racism, white supremacy on planet Earth, and to replace it with justice so that there can be peace. So help me God. That is the Black Oath Pledge of Allegiance for Black People. Great reminder about our assignment. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Context of white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Yeah.